Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah. It is a Monday edition of the ultimate Cleveland sports show. Guys, did everybody have a great weekend? Great. Fantastic, beautiful weather. Jason. I just got back from Vegas. No comment on your time in Vegas. He's, yeah, he needs to talk like. G. Hey, putt putt golf, my mom's birthday. She had to come up here and get dusted off by your boy, the five-time putt-putt <laughs> golf champ himself, G-Baby. I got the trash-talking your mom. Yes, right mom, dad, my brothers was there, my, my sister, and my wife. My wife had to understand that G-Bush is like Tiger on a Sunday coming down that back stretch. Oh, gee, you come have, on now. You have to change. You had a great weekend. Yeah. I just did some landscape for like nine hours. That's all, that's all I did. I didn't know you was you was out there like T. Woods. Nine hours. Nine yeah, hours. you got that NBA money. You didn't that's, you don't pay somebody to do that stuff. NBA money right here, bro. <laughs> no landscape was for you. Jeez. By the way, I watched real quick before we get to we're gonna get to Deshaun Watson here in just a second. A lot to get to today. Uh, Tim Couch is going to be on with us, and uh, who else? I forgot somebody else. Sean, Sean Porter. Oh, Showtime Sean Porter, of course, yep. is going to be on with us today. We'll talk about those boxing matches we referenced last week. But real quick, for like 30 seconds, did anybody else watch the Wimbledon men's final by any chance? Again, no. I was in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. no. I'm not a, much of a tennis no. guy, but I watched it, and this guy, I can't even think of his name now, the guy who lost to Djokovic in the final. Nick Kyrgios. Guy, what's his name again? Nick Kyrgios. Nick Kyrgios. This guy is like, remember where John McEnroe was back in the day? Yeah. We'd yell at officials and yeah. all that stuff. This, we have the new John McEnroe. He's actually sucked. Like, you think about all the champions in tennis in recent years, like Sampras and uh, uh, I can't even think of the names of the guys. Nadal, Federer, right. and Djokovic. None of them have any personalities. They're all uh, diet vanilla ice cream. They have no personality. This guy is going to become a star, even though he's like 27 already. So he seems old. I don't know. I think he's going to become a star because he yells at the officials. He hits the ball between his legs. He does all kinds of crazy stuff. Ironic. Bull likes the guy that yells at the officials. Yeah. Right? Tennis is too uptight. We need some personality. All right. Let's let's get to Deshaun Watson because, guys, the briefs are due today. Not the boxers, but the briefs. That was, a, that was a serious dad joke right there. Uh, that just hit you, or have you been yeah, sitting yeah. on that one? <laughs> no, I just He's popped my head. He's waiting. He had that one. No. Uh, but uh, and, money and at first, I was like, well, there's nothing that interesting about that because we're not going to learn that much. However, we did because Josina Anderson, again, one of the most plugged-in people in the NFL, had a series of tweets about this this morning. Here we go. Post-hearing briefings are due soon this week in the Deshaun Watson proceeding. This morning, a league source said this on the timeline for a result. Quote, we're still looking at a few weeks before we get a decision. It may or may not be before camp. Sue Robinson will take her time. Next one. Here we go. Uh, I'm told there are only four women currently at issue in the Deshaun Watson proceeding. The NFL concluded not to pursue eight of the 12 women interviewed. Uh, Example, a fifth woman the league tried to pursue but never interviewed her. The league scope is currently limited to four per source league source of the threshold of proof expected to be applied by Sue Robinson in review of the Sean Watson case quote the NFL has the burden of proof and it is by the preponderance of evidence and there is no dispute about that there is precedent in case law that establishes it and finally 
Preponderance of the evidence is one type of evidentiary standard used in a burden of proof analysis. Under this standard, burden of proof is met when the party with the burden convinces the fact finder that there is a greater than 50% chance that the claim is true, according to Cornell Law. A lot of things to unpack right. here, guys. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me, I don't know if anybody else pick, picked up on this really, but a lot has been made about the number, right? It's been 24, it's 25, 26. Some people are using the number 66 or whatever it is, the amount of different uh, women he went to for a massage. But here's the interesting thing. If the NFL is always only looking really now at four cases, well, that's, you know, for earlier, some of the reaction from people that wanted a long suspension was, it's 20, it's 20, whatever, it's 20, whatever. You can't compare to Ben Roethlisberger. His was only three. Well, now Deshaun Watson is only four. Now, again, if he did bad things to those women, it doesn't mean that's acceptable that because it, it's only four. But I don't think we can really look at the 20-something or whatever, the 60-something. To me, it's four, and I think that's a big difference. You guys, what do you think? Well, for, first of all, and I, and I said this a couple weeks ago, so yeah. I'm going to be clear that I did I was not on the timeline that the public was on with Sue Robinson. And she's not either, Sue, obviously. Sue Robinson's <laughs> uh, disposition of this case. I mean, typically the briefs are basically uh, your last chance for each side to make its points across. Now, here in the case, as I think that Sue Robinson has heard, she has an opinion. Now, she will use these these briefs to kind of justify or give you a last-ditch effort to see what is a, what is what, but I think that she's going to take her time with this, and it, it probably is, to me, is going to come sometime after the camp opens up. It's not on this timeline, and I would tell you another thing. The, the preponderance of evidence and the proof and the burden of proof that is on the uh, NFL is sincerely, is sincerely hampered by the fact that they could not get a true bill in Texas. Now, I want to see them work around this because this is what the NFLPA is sitting on. And until that occurs, right, because I'm not here to say, I don't know what happened to these four. These None are probably the do. same four that have not, have not settled the civil yeah. case. Right? Yeah. And so, but at the time of where we are right now, she's got a, she's got a real duty here to figure out what is going on here. And I don't think that uh, the NFL is going to be pleased with the way she's going to go on this because if she relies on what was presented and the preponderance of, uh, preponderance of evidence that was there, that was uh, at the at the fact with no coercion, no force. And it's going to be a problem for the NFL. The Browns were expecting something by the start of training camp, right? So this is going to be a really difficult situation for them to maneuver if they don't have a decision by the start of training camp. Who, who's taking your snaps at quarterback, the first team quarterback? I think he's got to, right? I actually think you have to count on some sort of suspend. Well, I think you probably split them because you know some sort of suspension is likely coming. So you got to get Jacoby Brissett ready to go. Deshaun did have all of the OTA snaps, so he yeah. has at least some familiarity with the offense. But the larger point is, I think the Browns, all since they made the trade, have worked under the belief that they would know by day one of training camp what their future is. And as the closer we get to that, clearly that is not necessarily true. Yeah. So that's going to be a difficult situation uh, for them to navigate. In terms of the length of the suspension, you know, I still think I've, I've been in the camp all along six eight. I've, I've said that from day one. I still believe that to be true. I know there. You know, I was talking to someone over the weekend who felt like, man, the NFL doesn't do what's right or what's fair. They do what looks best for the NFL, and they're very concerned with optics. So there are still people concerned with that. But in terms of sort of, because I've said all along, if Roger wants a year, he's going to get a year because he's just going to change Sue's ruling. And I talked to a couple people who were like, yeah, but. 
Like, this is what he wanted. Roger wanted this where the heat is off of him. Yeah. And in terms of coming up with these rulings. So, so did he want the did he want the heat off or he want the optics? Because this, this, this is probably the optics, right? Because yeah. this, this thing's going to go where it goes. Now, I just I, I, I just go back to it, Jason, just this, that the optics on it are uncomfortable. They've been uncomfortable for everybody from the beginning. Yes. Right? And so I do not think you take a federal judge and put her in a position where she has to do any arbitration because anybody has done any arbitration, which obviously the NFL has never done any arbitration because it yeah. never goes as quick as you want it to go. Right. It always takes some time. And so if that be the case, it could be she's not on the timeline of the Browns training camp. She's not on the timeline of who's going to be the first string quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Because she's here sitting the 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 the, the presider of presider of who what the facts are, right? And so the facts may shake down. So this may be a minute before they figure no out doubt. who is going to be the one. Gee, y'all hear that? That silence. <laughs> See, all oh, a couple weeks ago, people was jumping off the roof with. 66 this thing got multiplied to 66 and indefinite see but this is difference between metaphors and real rap when you're doing real rap in front of a judge it don't matter about the public appeal or public perception you got to sit in there and i'm glad Josina put down right in writing what the burden of proof is under mm-hmm. putting parameters on this thing see in public you can just say Oh, the allegations and make it look crazy and then people will settle his job Busby's job was to get those 20 settlements. He got what he deserved and what he got what he wanted. He, he earned them, right? But then he came back and said, well, listen, we never we never said anything about coercion. That was never a thing. We never put that in our argument. Now the NFL has a problem. You have to prove it. Now we heard last week. It was five people shaved down the floor. Now if we are sitting here and we're judging engagement. You can tell the way the thing, the tea leaves are swinging a little bit at the end of the day because there's not so many radio and television hosts jumping off the roof talking about indefinite. Everybody quiet. They waiting on Mr. Florio. Hey, Florio, go ahead, tell us what we doing. How this thing gonna go. Y'all quiet right now. Yeah. Everybody, people ain't leading with this at the top of the show. People like, well, yeah, well, we got Baker news. We can get to that. Mm, see? It's a difference when you got to go under oath and you got to yeah. prove something to somebody who actually has some law type, uh, uh, you know, acumen. And this is the real game right now. Gee, to your point, and and something all of you guys kind of referenced some of this. This is fascinating, and I don't know if the league wants this or not. But every other suspension in this vein, right, uh, of uh, hitting a woman or, or sexual misconduct or whatever have all been done by the league and have been judged, as you said, Jason, by essentially emotion, right? The the penalty is what do we feel we have to penalty? doesn't matter what the facts are. The penalty is what do we have? How long do we have to suspend this player to not get crushed by the media or get crushed by the fans, whatever? And Sue Robinson, who, by the way, I mistakenly said last week that Sue Robinson was a black woman, which she is not. She is a white woman, and and I wanted to correct that because... Duly corrected. There you go. (laughs) But um, what Sue Robinson is doing, and I don't know if the league was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize this was happening, but I assume they did, is she is... Like, we would always say, the argument would always be, and G's brought this up a lot, well, what about the owners? And we would be like, well, you know, it sucks 
the owner should be penalized, but this is all about the, well, now this is about, this is about, or we would always say, well, it doesn't, you don't have to, it's not a court of law. Well, now it is a court of law to some degree, right? Now it's not, you're right, the league and, and Commissioner Goodell could overstep what she does, but with all that's gone on with this case, if they Bigfoot her, I think they will look terrible. I think so. I think there's a good chance the league will let lie whatever she does. And she is not treating this as a PR stunt. She is treating this as a true legal case, which is why the timeline, as you suggested, Brad, is way different when, from what the rest of us she thought has, it was going to be. She has a judicial reputation that she has earned right. over a career of a, of, of a lifetime of work, right? From being a lawyer to becoming a judge. And now in the position where she gets to adjudicate a case, and, I, and I'll just say, and I'll just say this. So first of all, the whole thing is a mess. Oh, big it's time! It's a mess, right? And 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 how it plays out is going how it play out, how it plays out. But I would just tell you this: I will, you know, I'm a big soccer fan, right? I love the English Premier League, right? And they have a rule in the English Premier League that that they put all their players and coaches under. It's called a um, basically if you bring the league into disrepute. Right. This is when they can do the judgment. If the NFL had that rule, there would be no question because the league has been put in disrepute from this whole thing, mm-hmm. right? They'd be able to act on it right then and there, but they don't. We go another route, and now the route is one way, but some in the, some in the system don't like the way the route goes, right? If we're talking about just the facts here, as opposed to being in the league where it's just uh, you brought the league under disrepute, right? right. The facts. The facts are leading people to a different place than they thought it could be. So you don't know how it's going to go, right? That's no right. one knows how this thing is going to shake, Jason. And to to that point, just one thing. I think I mentioned this when I was in previously, but when we had Rusty Harden on when I was in on uh, 92.3 and we had Rusty on the show, he said in his mind, now he's Deshaun's attorney, he said in his mind only two of the original 22 cases involved the personal conduct policy. And so... Obviously, the NFL is talking to four. He said two. I don't know which how these align. Right. But that has always stuck in my head. Right. Now, that's just his opinion. And, yeah. and Judge Robinson certainly could feel differently. But he said of all of these cases and all of the allegations, two of them are really at the heart of the NFL's right. personal conduct. Which is policy. why we know he's going to get at least some suspension because even his attorney, well, I guess we don't know for sure, but I'm assuming because his attorney admitted, as I've referenced before too, and you just referenced now, that he did violate the conduct policy. Well, I mean, I want to be clear. Rusty yeah. said two of the cases were in question. Oh, okay. he wasn't. Say, you know, what I mean, he, he didn't wasn't say he saying definitely violated. Yeah, okay, he's fair just point. saying That's two a big of them. Yeah, yeah, two of them could be. Yeah, under the under right. depending on which way it goes. And you know what I'm going to tell you right now, people see. You know, I've been outspoken against a lot of it, but I'm going to tell you how I'm going to go over against it right now. When she makes her ruling, I'm going to stick by it. I'm standing by it. You know, whatever it is, whatever. Because at the end of the day, all we, we've been saying is you just want an opportunity to present your case right. to an impartial person. Right. She's impartial. Tell they you. collectively bargained it. And if he gets whatever he gets, you ain't going to hear nothing from G. Bush. Don't look for the video. It is what it is. He's yeah. going to live with that, and we're going to keep it moving. But this is what we want. And this is in the league should have that same mentality. Yes. If, yeah. if, if we going to go, if you brought her in here to do a job, let the woman do her job. You got to to your point, and this is this gee, this is what they say in the street. You go on the street anywhere, this is what they're saying. They just want some fairness here. The, you've got two biased parties, right? 
You have a biased party that's, that's on Deshaun Watson's camp, in his camp, right? You've got the biased party from the NFL in their camp, right? Then you bring a third party, right. an independent arbiter to this, right. to, to the facts, right? You present your case, Bull. Jason presents his case here. Yeah. This independent arbiter should be the decider of fact, and we should be able to live with this fact. That's right. Now, I'm going to have a real problem, right, at the end, if the decider of fact, who gave you an opportunity to make your case, gave you a chance to make your case, says, I, I'm going this way with it, right? Because this is, the, I'm independent. And then you say, nah, I don't like that. Then the whole thing looks like a sham. It's, it's a sham. Right, that's a joke. That can't, I think that's, I, you talk about bad PR for the league. I think that's bad PR. I mean, we've, t- we've said, all of us, many times, that the only people that know the facts, for sure, are Watson and the women. But Judge Robinson knows as many facts or as, as she knows as much as anybody, certainly not more than us right. and the fans yeah. and the Players Association and Rusty Harden and the, the league officials. She is the most qualified person at this juncture to rule. And if the league oversteps her because they feel like, well, even though she has as much as as much facts as possible, it still looks bad for PR, then you just wasted the time of everybody. That would look really bad. I hope they don't do that. And you eroded your own credibility. Hundred yeah, percent. You have none. At 100%. that at that point, we all know where, where where we stand with the NFL at that point. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's move let's move on. There's still obviously We'll we'll continue to follow the story. We'll see if the news comes out, and let's get to let's get to this other football story. A little on the field stuff. Chris Collinsworth, you guys like Chris Collinsworth? I think he's fantastic. I I, I like he's grown on me a lot over I, the years. I, I yeah, think he's you the ro- best you don't like him? Yeah, okay. <laughs> see, because he was a Bengal, or you just? I just uh, think some of his takes not on. I just don't, you know, some of us okay, but he's just okay. I, I agree. I mean, he's not, he not the czar of what's going on. Here. Everybody <laughs> loves Collinsworth. My beef with him is, is uh, I actually, he's a good analyst, but sometimes he'll make a judgment on a player or a game, like real early in the game, that I think he's too prisoner of the moment. But anyway, uh, Collinsworth made a list. His five best head coach quarterback combos. And uh, here we go. All right, number five. Todd Bowles and Tom Brady. Okay. Number four, Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford, the Rams. Obviously, the first one's the Buccaneers. Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, Packers. Uh, Sean McDermott, Josh Allen with the Bills. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs. Obviously, Kevin Stefanski, Deshaun Watson, not on the list. Anybody think they should be? Because they haven't taken a snap no, yet. Yeah, no, we haven't seen no. it. How could they be? But I, 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 we haven't seen it, but I've looked at some of that list. Bring that list back up. Brad, bring it up. Bring it back up. Bring it back up. Let's go. In classic Brad Sellers fashion. <laughs> right, right. Bring it back. Bring it bring back. back. Bring it back. Bring it back. It's here. Todd Bowles and Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady's carrying the water. What? That's not behind me. That's not behind me. I didn't Hold on, see let that. Let me stop Why? here. Hold on, let me stop here. Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers. The shenanigans going on up in the Green Bay. Are you serious? Uh, uh. Well, so that's what's funny, Brad. If you look at the list. So Tom obviously is the reason for five. I would say McVay's the reason for four. Yes. I don't know that that's fair. I mean, I think Matthew Stafford's a hell of a quarterback. He's very good. He's not in the class it's not of these like, other guys. Here. But it's not like Brady and Bowles. Here, no. I mean, for, or, or, McVay and Stafford go to one. Andy Reid and Mahomes, the uh, epitome of failure. That's what that is. 
Oh, I, I don't know about that. I think that's too harsh. That's Super Bowl. That's crazy. That meltdown last year. Yeah. That meltdown. Now you're prisoner of the moment. Huh? Now you're being oh, prisoner, prisoner of the moment. Prisoner of the no, moment. but I follow Andy Reid the days in Philadelphia. Yeah. Them same meltdowns. He has a thing. Andy Reid has for as many wins as he's gotten. I mean, he was the four NFC championship game. Come on now. And made a Super Bowl, right? So it's like he should at least have three. Like I think Aaron Rodgers should have one more, right? Like with with the talent yeah, level. People look at him sideways now too. I like, don't understand how Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers are ahead of McVay and Stafford. That doesn't make any sense. I think the job that Stafford and McVay did last year that was crazy. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I'm I'm freaking was, I freaking I don't have a problem with the Chiefs being number one. I wouldn't have a problem with the Rams being number one. The Rams should be ahead of the Packers. I don't understand. Yeah. So you because the gap between McVay and uh, what's his name, the Packers coach, Lafleur, Lafleur is sure. much bigger than the gap between Rodgers and Stafford. How can, Reed, how can Reed and Mahomes be number one in this? This nobody's bothered by this meltdown last year. Is I, am I the only? Game. No, yeah. it's not one game. It is. Go back well, and it check, is for Mahomes. Check, check, which, no, for Mahomes, Andy, it's one Reed, game. Andy Reed's the same guy. Andy. Yeah, but if you're starting a, if you're if you put every p- player into the draft in the NFL, yeah. Mahomes would go first. Yes. Yeah. There's okay. no that's why he's. There's no, there's that's why. No, no, hold, yeah. hold on. Now, now I, I will say this: that that, jo- that Josh Allen thing <laughs> is getting very close. And I'll say this: yeah. you, and he did. They did get dominated against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That offense looked terrible against yeah. Tampa Bay. It was right. horrible. Yes. Well, where 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 is Cincinnati on this list? I, yeah, Cincinnati's uh, coach is not very good. Uh, and I'm a Bengals fan. You got, to, yeah, you got to the you got to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you just don't not, walk. You just don't walk to a championship. No, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know anybody that I does that. I think he's an average. coach. I mean, how many people? You can look at it. Okay, well, you bring the list back up, and the words of, bring that remix back yeah. up. We invented bring the that right back. Uh, <laughs> if you, you Stefanski got a coach of the year. And, and if you want to look at Deshaun Watson's numbers, he's been a multiple-time Pro yeah. Bowler. So Todd Bowles ain't never been no coach of the year. I don't even think it has has. Uh, yeah, but, I, but Tom has Brady Mc, has McDermott won a coach of the year. Uh, I I, I think know. McDermott did win coach of the year. I'll, I'll double check, but I do I think he, check that. But, but, but I can't. Got, but, those Watson two hasn't even I, Watson hasn't played. And we have yet. no idea how many snaps he's even yeah. going to take this year. Yeah, I don't. The right. question though is. Let's let's put it in this context. Yeah. What's the ceiling for Watson and Stefanski? Top five. Could they be top five? Could they be top three? Could they be one? Where do you guys see the they ceiling? Could be one. For that? I think depends how far they go. It's so subjective. Yeah. For, sure. In terms of I like this one better than that one, but I think absolutely it has the quarterback to, to me five. is more important than the coach. I mean, sure. I, you know, we just pro- that's proven by that list we right. just saw. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'll be, uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll say that. I say I say there's there's equal culpability on both sides because you have to have one is it one is the on field manager. Someone has to have vision from the sideline and say this is what we need. Would you rather do. have a great coach and a crappy quarterback or a crappy coach and a great quarterback? Uh, I'd rather have probably a <laughs> give, give yeah, me take the two. I'm going to take the quarterback because yes. the coaches can be suspect, but when the two are paired together. Yeah, then it's a that is that is that is yeah. the, the quarterback can save the coach. The quarterback can save the play call. But how many right. times have a how many times a player thought they could outdo the coach? And only to find out that they weren't really any good without the coach. You could go to any sport, and you can always find. Well, that. Tom Brady's pretty damn good without Belichick. Yeah, I mean, look at Drew Brees when New Orleans was an absolute disaster of a franchise. Drew right. Brees shows up, and all of a sudden, this, everything's great. This yeah. is why McVay and, and, and Kyle Shanahan is up there for me too. 
When you look at McVay, oh, yeah. think about this, man. He had Jared Goff in the Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah. And we thought he was crazy for yeah. giving me. And then he there was a time people thought golf was elite. Elite, right? <laughs> and they got the bag, too. Yeah. And think about it. Think how many people didn't even think Stafford was that good because yeah. he yeah, was yeah. in Detroit. Yeah, he was like, you're going to get Stafford out of all these people? And he not only took Stafford, but then he, then he resurrected the ghost of Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. And and just was well, like, yeah, we'll bring. Because how, how Hold on. How many okay. people would say we're not bringing that type of headache in? We don't want no parts of that. Yeah, yeah, we rocking and rolling. Yeah. We got but our then receivers. Again, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles and then got fired two years later. But gee, was was Odell Beckham really? Uh, was 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 he really? Was it him? Was it his problem or was it our problem? I think it was our problem. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's totally fair. I think you got to give Odell some blame. I think Odell quit on them. I've said that. I think Odell gets some blame. I guess, I guess if nobody was using me and I was an elite talent, I guess I would be like, what's the problem? I here? think everyone's questioning the moves. Give, given the production, we all know every top 10 receiver. I mean, look, look come on. Tyreek Hill is in Miami now. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't gonna put up the same numbers. He's not putting up the same type numbers. No. And so I, I think you get it, you get to a point where you know you think you know Odell Beckham go lose his mind if he ain't getting the ball. We just yeah. knew that. But I think this year, if guys on a, on a on a lighter note, is that we're gonna find out what Kevin Stefanski don't, is this year. G, don't they all lose their mind? I'm watching Harden lose his mind. Durant lose his mind. Uh, Kyrie Irving lose his mind. They just uh, go to any other sport and lose. They all lose their mind when they don't get involved. Because you you gonna get you gonna get a chance to see Stefanski with a with a second tier quarterback. How many games can you stay afloat? How hard do the guys yeah. play? And how well do you acclimate when you get Deshaun Watson? Are we gonna be sitting here saying, well, why are we running that? This don't look right. We gonna find out a bunch about Kevin Stefanski. Because Cleveland people, want, Cleveland fans want the bag. Yeah, it's, it's they want the bag now. They're like playoff. First round of play, we want the bag. I thought I thought the job Kevin did during the COVID year was sensational. Yes, with no yeah, yeah. OTAs, no extra practices. Basically, he had to install his entire system on Zoom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought he was phenomenal. This could be his most difficult coaching job yet. Yes, just because of there's healing that has to be done within the locker room. Yeah, regardless of the the damage that Baker did, or maybe there's people who are uncomfortable. Deshaun, I don't know that. I'm just saying yeah. there's 53 guys in there. I'm guessing at least one or two of them are uncomfortable with where things yeah, yeah, there's no question. So there's healing that has to take place. You have to navigate. We just talked about he may not know who's quarterback week one quarterback is day one of training camp. He you may not know that. before the preseason starts. It's so it, you probably you have to get Jacoby Brissett ready to go. I mean, not only do you have to get one quarterback ready to go, you have to get two quarter two new quarterbacks to your right. system mm. up to speed and ready to go. This could easily be his most difficult coaching job. There's a healthy balance that's required between player and coach yeah. that has to be out there for any organization to go for. I reminded Bull of, of the New York Knicks when Pat Riley was the, the coach of the New York yep. Knicks. Pat wrote a book called Born to Coach, right? And the people in New York just call it this, born to overcoach. That's what they used to say about Pat Riley, right? Because sometimes even the coaches, you start drinking your own Kool-Aid thinking that you're really the one getting it done. Like, right. you're not, it's a little of what you do. It's a little of what they do, and it's the management of everyone, the management style of everyone to make sure that everybody's doing their part. Yeah. But when you start thinking that you're carrying the water for everybody, not you gonna, get yourself in trouble. Not going to work. All right, we'll blow off the offensive line topic. Let's go to good bet, bad bet, guys. We'll do good bet, bad bet real quick, and then we got Tim Couch coming up. Good. We'll talk offensive linemen tomorrow with uh, quarterbacks because ESPN just released their rankings of the top 10 quarterbacks, yes. top 10 offensive linemen. 
and the Browns are on both lists. Did so let's do good bet, bad bet real quick, Steve. We'll get to it tomorrow. Yeah. Fast forward okay. to uh, Don't put me up unless year. I did good last week. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Brad finally won a game. He wow, won the Friday, so he is now one and eleven in his last twelve games. Looking like the Timberwolves over there. All right. We are close to the top here. So Sixty-two wins, sixty-one and sixty. And today's bets. Let's go to the first one, Steve. Okay, Guardians getting a run and a half against the White Sox in a divisional matchup tonight. G. Bush, You're the you went bad. Jay I mean, also went good for the record. We should have all been bad because the Guardians have been awful, but they're due to, to eventually yeah. win a game here. But you, you don't think so? No, man. I just the White Sox. I, they, mm. This is the, the, the Kansas City Royals uh, series just turned my whole situation Oof. upside down. No. I don't know if I could pick them for a while. They got to have to get on the, like an eight-game win streak. Last week, <laughs> as bad as it gets, losing six of seven to the yeah. Tigers and Royals. That's I mean, tough. That's tough. They and outside of that one game Saturday when they scored, I think thirteen. Thirteen. Their offense has been hideous for three weeks. And they're a young team. This is it's one hundred sixty-two. It. If you look at the whole season, this huge is, peaks, huge valleys, right? And that's the way it's going to be. All right, game two. Game two under nine runs in the Guardians White Sox game tonight. Brad, you're the lone. Well, you and Jay actually. Jay was bad too, but. Mm. Well, you I'm saying they're going over. This game? Uh, well, I'm listen, listen, I got to get back in the game. I'm, I'm like Vegas. <laughs> I'm taking long shots. Right, buddy, Fair enough. I'm the clear with the people. One. The last <laughs> one. Over two and a half total home runs. This is a real even split because Jay went good again. too, but not feeling the power tonight. Three home runs. White Sox had a lot of home runs. <laughs> well, Here. total, both teams. Quantrill keeps the ball down. I don't think Take he's giving up. Take the dice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to give it a shot. Come All on, right, got to get a shot. That's All right, let's bad, bring bad. in Tim Couch now. And when anyone joins us on UCSS, they join us via the Gridiron Guys hotline. Looking for a local roofer you can trust. Family-owned since 2003, the Gridiron Guys have grown to become Northeast Ohio's top-rated roofers. They exemplify quality work practices and are a valued resource for homeowners and offer a 10-year workmanship warranty called 330753. 7967 today for a free estimate or roof inspection. Tim, how's your roof, man? You, you got any roofing jingle. issues? Grid, uh, grid, grid, I got grid, no roofing grid, issues grid, right now. It. I'm good. But if you do, we know who to call. Tim, thanks for joining us as always, man. We missed you last week. Absolutely. It's good to be with you guys again this week. Yeah, Tim, I see Jay's uh, not here today. Where, where's Jay at? We kicked him the hell out. Probably on some, <laughs> <We had enough laughs> kicked him out. Hey, probably, <laughs> probably on some boat by, river, day, by a river in Lexington, boat. probably. Yeah. He's <laughs> been on vacation for a week. He's Juan Ponce de Leon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Tim, by the way, I think of this every time now because because grid, Gridiron Guys reminds me of the movie Gridiron Gang, so I will ask you, uh, what is your favorite football movie of all time? Do you have one? Ooh, favorite football movie. That's a good one. Um, probably um, the program. Remember the program? Of course, great. Back in the day, yeah, yeah. Probably the program. I thought I think that was a good. One. There's a lot of good ones to choose from, though. But uh, I'll probably go with the program. It's appropriate because James Kahn was the died. coach. He yeah. just recently passed away. That's right. Yeah. Going to talk about that in my final take later. But okay. Yeah. When you heard the news of the Baker trade last week, Tim, what was your first reaction to that? Um, you know, I, w- I was happy for Baker and happy for the Browns that they're both just finally, you know, got this thing going. Uh, you know, they parted ways and they, they found a place for Baker. Uh, you know, but for Baker personally, you know, I think it's probably not a great situation for him. You know, he's in a much better, better situation in Cleveland, in my opinion, with the talent around him. Uh, you know, they really struggle on the offensive line in Carolina. I know they addressed that in the draft this year. But, you know, Baker is used to having a great offensive line and, and, and great running backs and a lot of support around him. He's not going to have, you know, that uh, the talent level in Carolina that he had in Cleveland. So it's going um, to be a lot on him. And, uh, you know, I just hope he's he- um, healthy and, and ready to go. 
and Tim sort of following up on that point, he's also walking into a situation where the coach is on the hot seat and could be the first one right. fired. And so, you know, one of the I've been really hard on Baker and I was happy to see him leave. But I think he does have an argument when you talk about four head coaches his first three years, all the different coordinators and everything else. The situation in Carolina is just as volatile as it was in Cleveland. Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, he's been through a lot in his career, you know, and, and uh, you know, his first four years, like you mentioned, you know, several head coaches, uh, new systems, he, uh, injuries, you know, he, he's been through a lot. He's had a lot of ups and downs. You know, I think that's, you know, probably the biggest reason for his inconsistency in his play. You know, we've seen him play at a very high level, like he played at his rookie year and the year they went to the playoffs. Then we've seen him play at a really low level, you know, like last year. So it's, um, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, like I said, the injuries and, you know, the changes within the offense and in the system and, you know, things like that. So, but he's walking into a, a tough situation in Carolina as well. So it's, it's going to be, and, you know, he's going to have a battle. You know, he's also, you know, Sam Darnold's there, you know, who was a number three pick in that draft where Baker went number one. So uh, it's not like Sam Darnold can't play at all. So he's going to have to beat him out, first of all, and learn that system really quickly and try to get out on the field. And uh, and, and I, I hope I hope, I hope him nothing but the best, you know, I'd like to see him, you know, get his career back on track and get back to the level he played at, uh, you know, the year they went to the playoffs a couple of years ago. That's why I like Tim. He's the ultimate politician. Just the constant <laughs> answer here. So, Tim, let's get down to the weeds on this thing. What about when you're a player, you get shipped somewhere, you walk into the door and say, maybe the thing I had behind me was better than the thing I have in front of me. And then you have to realize, how do I make it here, right? Because these guys are not as good as the guys I had. Talk about that, Tim. Uh, this could be tough, man. You know, you you feel like you won out of Cleveland really bad, and you you've uh, you know kind of burned that bridge. You know, with the with with the organization, and uh, you know both both sides have said a lot of things about each other. And now you walk into a situation where you're like, hey, I, this this isn't what I asked for. I didn't want to go to a worse situation. You know, I wanted somewhere I could go and you know have you know as much at least as at least the same amount of talent around me, if not more. Uh, but you know, Baker is just kind of going to have to take a step back as far as the level of talent that's going to be around him, and it's it's going to be a major adjustment for him. And like I said, it's going to be in a quarterback battle. With Sam Darnold, who was who's already been there for a season, who knows the offense, who knows the system. It's it's tough to walk in there and beat out a guy, um, you know, who who knows uh, knows knows the system already. Who, who you're 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 behind the eight ball on that situation, and you're learning your teammates, you're learning a new playbook, uh, you're trying to fit into a new locker room and a new organization. So uh, there's just a lot of moving. Um, you know, it's just it's it'll be a tough situation for Baker for sure. Hey Tim, how about this though? How true was the Browns' move to be able to sh- shred the contract? Get uh, Carolina to pay five million, then to pay ten, get a credit back of three and a half million. Uh, I lost so, volume. So, so a net of three point, uh, a net of six and a half million dollars to the Browns. I don't think Tim can hear us. Tim, you can't hear us. I can't hear you guys. Can you, you hear can't me? Can't hear us. You want to take him down for a sec, guys? We'll yeah, we'll figure that out. Okay. Do you guys uh, want to just right, keep so talking? We'll get so, back so to Tim for one sec. Jason to the, to the shrewdness and, and G to the shrewdness of it. So the, the Browns are in this thing for a net six and a half million dollars, basically. Right? I thought it was ten. Well, but ten, just... but if he's got three and a half million dollars. He converted from salary to incentives, yeah. right? So if he doesn't hit those, that doesn't inc- that doesn't come out of the ten. No, no, but I'm he's saying still got to pay ten. I'm, but right? I'm saying even with the ten, here, yeah, yeah, right. Because here they were sitting at almost nineteen million dollars, yeah. right, right yes. here, and they unloaded a guy, right, that the league had just devalued. I mean, you weren't gonna get much to but but chicken right. bones for him anyway, right? right? And so. For them to be able to walk away from Baker, put him in a position where I, because I, I think things are done intentionally. They didn't send him to. They didn't send him to the best team out here. We're gonna send you where you gonna star. Well, they sent him to the only place that would take him. Well, here, because I agree with what you're. I agree with the premise <laughs> what you're saying. Because that was the point I made. I think I said this before with with when Kyrie wanted out. 
Send him to Sacramento or Detroit. Don't send him to Boston. Right. But in this instance, I think Carolina was the only team that would take him. So besides them straight up releasing him, and they weren't going to do that. No. And, and I, again, I don't think Carolina has a terrible offense. They, their offensive line, we're not sure. It's definitely not as good as the Browns. They did address it this offseason. But when you deal with rookie offensive line, you never know if they're any good. Their skill position talent, if McCaff- McCaffrey's healthy, is not bad. I mean, McCaffrey, we know, is great. He's just been injured a lot the last two years. And their wide receiver group is is not really any worse than our wide receiver group, top to bottom, I don't think. But what they're going to understand very quickly is, see, a lot of people still think of Baker Mayfield as that gunslinger. They think of him as a dude that's at Oklahoma that is running around and, and throwing the ball all around the park. That ain't Baker Mayfield, man. If you're going to play with Baker Mayfield, you got to have some, some strict guardrails. You can't be sending him up to the line of scrimmage with three plays, telling him to diagnose and get people in the right. That's not him. You need to run the ball. And, and I don't know if, if they understand the level of play action you're going to have to do. The get level. Out the pocket. Get them out. And, yeah. and the routes, you can't just be going running four verts either. That's not a thing. Baker always to me, not just on a, uh, uh, from the standpoint of how good he is as far as talent wise physically. Baker to me got fooled way too much. He would get fooled on some of these coverages and then you just like, no, 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 you can't. Why are your eyes looking over there? You can't do that. And he would get fooled on some of these plays and I think Carolina is going to figure it out really quickly. We think that Sam Darnold is automatically going to take that L. I'm going to ask Tim when he comes back, which is more difficult. Is it more difficult being the guy that's already there and you plan for your job or is it easier being the guy coming in playing freer and said, I'm going to yeah. just let it rip. And, and to your point, G, of in terms of Baker's abilities and, and what he does well, it's why I, I always was baffled by all the excuses made by the injuries. Yeah, he had an injury. A lot of guys have injuries. It was a non-throwing arm. But a lot of the mistakes he makes are not being able to diagnose the defense, making a poor decision of where to throw the ball, those things, or, or maybe even thinking he's better than he is. I think that's always been a problem is guys is that he thinks he's better than he is. And I, I think that hurts him. I had two former, not, Tim's not one of them, but yeah. I had two former NFL quarterbacks tell me last year, he thinks he's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, right. That's crazy. And he's not. And he, and yeah. Trent Dilfer, uh, who wasn't part of those two, but is another former quarterback was yeah. terrific and saying, yeah. Just run what's called in front of you because Kevin's offense stacks plays. First down leads to second, leads to third. If you screw up first down, you've now put right. them in jeopardy on second down because it was supposed to be second and six, well, and now we're second and 11 or second right. and 12. Well, he's not a paint-by-numbers guy. He doesn't think like that. He's not a paint-by-numbers guy saying, okay, let me get to check one to get to check two. No, he's a guy that thinks he can make plays. This is not uh, uh, Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma with the Sooners. This is not this guy. The first problem with Baker Mayfield is, uh, behind, behind the center is this. He's too little. He can't see anything, right? How many times he get these balls batted down, right? And if you have to get him outside the pocket just so he can see, that is a freaking problem, right? So, along those lines, I had numbers in uh, 2020, right, where he was terrific rolling left. He was best quarterback in the league when you did exactly that. You move the pocket, get him out of the pocket, roll him left. He was more comfortable going left than right. His numbers were terrific. Well, guess what? The NFL has access oh, to those video. numbers. Video! <laughs> and they took that away. Right. And I asked Kevin Stefanski multiple times last year, why is he not going left? Are you protecting the shoulder, or is it what defenses are taking away? And Kevin very carefully said, it's not the shoulder. The shoulder is fine. So yeah. what does that tell you? It tells you the defenses were taking it away. You spread the guys out on the line a little mm-hmm. bit more. You take away the edges. And theoretically, it should create things inside. It wasn't the case with the Browns. But more importantly... To your point about size, 
Go back. We put a package together when I was filling in for Bruce Drennan on his show. We put a package together of how many times Baker was high from the pocket. Mm -hmm. Every throw down the field from the yeah. pocket was four and five yards high Why? on these receivers. Right. Why? Because of, he can't see. Because he had to get it high to get <laughs> right. it over their heads and then see. it sailed on him. He, everybody wants him to imitate the way Drew Brees throws. He's, he, he, he's not Drew Brees. And here's the thing, guys. And I've said this before. Whenever, whenever tr somebody tries to make an argument for maybe Baker could be an elite quarterback, the people that at this point there's not that many people left that think that, but there were more, right? And I and I think about this and I say, what is the elite trait that Baker has as a quarterback? Because I could point to all the great quarterbacks in the league, and there's at least one part of their game that's elite, if not two, if not two, right? <laughs> many of those guys, two or more, even right? Baker. And I think people thought it would be his accuracy, he's not but accurate. he is not, not He's not accurate. He's not accurate. His arm is good. I mean, he's got a good arm. I was going to say arm strength. I don't if think if I have elite. to give him one, I don't know if it's elite. It's probably not it's Josh Allen. It, yeah. No, it, it, but everybody good. who's got bad arm strength in the NFL. Well, I mean, there are some. Not there many. Are some. Though. I mean, he's got a perfectly fine. Like that's the one category where I'd say he's better. He's like above average, yeah, or but, you know, fine. And, and but he's not elite. He's not a good athlete. Before his arm strength, right? Yeah. And I think he, he can sling the ball. The problem is the conditions have to be right for him to be perfect. Able to sling. They have to not just be right. right. They got to be perfect. Listen, yes. And so he's not a guy that could thread between you and G right no. through this little honey and get, and get this right. in here, right? And for you to be able to do that, first of all, you have to, I'm going to just tell you, in, in basketball, I hate little guards. I just do, right? I, I like big guards because they can see. They can do multiple things. They can cover yeah. up for size, helps uh, counteract some, some mistakes here. And so in his case here, I mean, I just watched last year after year. I mean, game after game, balls being batted down. He right. can't see, and I'm like, right. oh, we can't roll you if, out here. It's if a, you look at the, it's a freaking problem. If you look at the total of four years, he's thrown the most, his second most picks. He's had the most turnovers. He's um, near the bottom in accuracy. He, in terms of athleticism, he's amongst the worst quarterbacks in the league. He's in the bottom, outside of arm talent. Arm strength, I guess. Mm -hmm. He's not only he's in the bottom. And, and of I, I think categories. I think we got Tim. Yeah, because I want to ask him about this size. Yeah, we got Tim. Size. Back. I, yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. ask him about. I want to ask him about this throwing angles too. Uh, uh, <laughs> Tim, glad to have you back. We we was over here just getting together, talking about some of the things that with quarterback play, and we we got in and drilled down on some of the things that Baker doesn't do as well. Um, when you look at it from a standpoint. People have, have in this league have done some things well. Uh, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, they're the poster children for six foot and under quarterbacks. Tell us some of the things, some of the downfalls to being six foot and under when you're having to find uh, uh, throwing lanes and a, and a rush is coming at you right in your lap. You know, not the outside rush, but the rush in, in front of you where guys are getting a little bit of push, and now you have to change the trajectory, move around, and try to see downfield. Is that a difficult thing? And what is the advantage of a taller quarterback like yourself that might not be uh, disadvantaged in those areas? Yeah, I think it is a big advantage for a taller quarterback just as far as, you know, seeing the entire field. I think when you're a smaller quarterback, I think you can see to the outside really well, you know, outside the numbers, those comeback throws, those outbreaking routes towards the sideline. But in the middle of the field, 
when it's really congested and you got big offensive linemen and defensive linemen in front of you, you really have to work hard to find throwing lanes when you're a little bit smaller. You know, when you're a six-five quarterback, sometimes you can see over those guys. You can you don't have to really shuffle as much to find those throwing lanes to, to see guys breaking across the middle. But when you're six foot tall, you really got to work hard within the pocket to find those lanes to get rid of the football from. And if you can, and if you do happen to see them, you still have to change your arm angle to get uh, to get it over the, the uh, offensive lineman. You know, whether you got to come more over the top. You kind of got to throw it around guys sometimes with a sidearm delivery. So you really have to have a lot of um, the ability to throw from a lot of different platforms when you're that size, uh, as opposed to being 6'5". You know, it really makes yeah. a big difference. So, uh, you know, I, I think it does make it more difficult. But, you know, like you said, we've seen guys make it work in this league with Russell and Drew, uh, who's really, you know, had great careers, you know, at that size. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, you know, you can either – you know, throw from those different slots and you feel comfortable throwing from different arm angles and, and, and moving your feet a lot in the pocket or you don't. And, um, you know, we've seen Baker do it at times and we've also seen him be pretty sloppy within the pocket at times. Yeah, and to be, you know, to be fair to Baker, obviously he hasn't been in the league as long as those guys. However, those guys were not turnover prone, which he is. Those right. guys were both, both well, Russell Wilson still, uh, accurate quarterbacks, which he's not, or he hasn't been in the NFL. Russell Wilson's a good athlete. Drew Brees, not really as much, but Russell Baker, like, even when you played, which is not that long ago in the grand scheme of things, Tim, like, I, I don't know that the athleticism from the quarterback mattered that much. I'm sure it matters, but now more than ever, you want your quarterback to have some level of athleticism, and I think he's in the bottom tier in terms of athleticism from a quarterback, don't you? Or no, is that unfair? Yeah, you know, I think the game has really changed a lot, you know, as far as, you know, what you're looking for from the quarterback position as far as athleticism. You know, back when I was playing, it was more of the, you know, the big 6'5", 230, 240-pound pocket passer who was just going to stand in there and take those hits. You know, the Troy Aikmans, Drew Bledsoe's, you know, th those type of guys that were just going to, you know, be those pocket passers. And now the game has really evolved into, you know, being able to use a, use your legs as a quarterback is such a, a weapon. And so it makes it so difficult on the defense that, you know, that now teams are really looking for that. Like, you, okay, he can throw throw from the pocket, but can he, can he create? Can he make plays with his legs? Um, you know, and, you know, Baker, you know, you know, he was kind of a mobile guy coming out of a coming out of college. He wasn't much, you know, he wasn't a great runner, but he could run a little bit and create some stuff with his legs. But, you know, I don't know if it's been due to injury or whatever, but we haven't seen a whole lot of that uh, over the last couple of years with him. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it's just the position is certainly different. It's, it's um, you know, the offenses are different now than they were 15, 20 years ago. And you're just looking for more of a dynamic playmaker back there who, you know, that, that Kyler Murray type of guy who's, you know, can't throw from the pocket. He's a smaller guy, but obviously can, you know, he's unbelievably dynamic with his legs as well. But, you know, Baker's not going to be that kind of guy. He's going to be more of a pocket passer, but he's trying to do it, you know, in a, in a six-foot frame. So I can I can say this, and then to Drew Brees and and Russell Wilson, I don't know if it's the fact that they played in the Big Ten and bigger linemen. They may be used to seeing bigger bigger setups. I'm not sure what 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 Baker was seeing at, at Oklahoma, but I will tell you this, right? I'm just a, a proponent of a person being able to be able to see the entire field, so we don't have to manufacture. We have all these weapons, Tim. We have all these weapons, mm -hmm. but they're no good to us if we can't utilize them. And if you your your deficit as a player allowed me not to be able to use all my weapons, then then you're not helping me. Tell me, talk to me about uh, being able to deploy all these weapons we have. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, you can have all the weapons you want, but if you're not utilizing them the right way, if the quarterback can't see them or get them to football, then you know it's useless. But uh, you know, it's 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 been um, you know it's it's been so inconsistent with Baker. We've seen him do it at times, so you know it's in there. Uh, but we've also seen him be just really inconsistent with his uh, with his mechanics, his accuracy. 
um, you know, it's decision making, you know, just things like that. And you know, I'm not sure what, uh, what what the cause of that is. I don't know the situation that well. But, you know, just watching it as a fan, watching it on TV, you can see sometimes his footwork gets out of whack, which causes the high errant throws, uh, missing guys down the field. Uh, he's missed some deep balls, uh, you know, that were there, especially when Odell was was around. Um, you know, it's just uh, it, it's just been, uh, you know, a lot of inconsistency. And I think it's due to, you know, a lot of times just fundamentals and footwork. You know, it always goes back to the basics as a quarterback when you're looking to be more accurate and, um, you know, and those kind of things. It's just getting your feet set. It's getting your eyes in the right spot um, and, and not trying to, you know, throw off your back foot, you know, do all the things that you're taught as, you know, a high school quarterback. Sometimes you get away from those things when you get to the NFL and just focus on, oh, I've got a strong arm. I can make that throw. But, you know, you can't make that throw without your feet set and, you know, things like that. And he gets he gets kind of um, loose at his mechanics at times. On top of everything else we've talked about, they're still not done with Baker because they have to face him week one. I'm going to operate under the assumption yeah. that Baker's going to beat out Sam Darnold. I don't think Sam's very good. I think Baker's going to win that job. Now that he's going to be in day one of camp, he's going to win that job. So now you have to prepare to face the guy who you've had. It's such a mind-blowing situation, really, that the Browns are in. But really, I, I want to pivot that just a little bit. And right before we brought you on, Tim, I said, I thought Kevin Stefanski did a marvelous job his first year and to basically be able to install his system over Zoom without any extra OTAs, without any sort of mini camps, you know, all video. I, I thought his first year he was excellent. But I, it's my personal opinion. I think this could be his most difficult coaching situation yet. You have to heal the locker room from Baker. You have to heal the locker room from Deshaun. And, and as I said, there's 53 guys in there. I'm guessing at least one or two of them probably don't really want the guy there, given everything that's swirling around him. You don't know who your quarterback is day one. Josina Anderson's report today you know, the Browns have operated on the assumption that they were going to have sort of clarity on this by the start of training camp. That may not be the case. As a head coach, how do you navigate this when you're not trying to get one, but two new quarterbacks to your system ready to go by the start of the season? Yeah, I think you make great points. It's by far as, as tough as coaching challenge so far, you know, with, with everything that's going on with, you know, getting rid of Baker, bringing in Deshaun, trying to get these new quarterbacks up to speed in the new system. Um, you know, it's, it's just a lot of moving parts that he's going to have to manage this season. And, you know, it's going to be an ongoing thing with Deshaun. No one knows how long he's going to be, um, you know, how many games he's going to miss right now. So it's just going to be, you know, getting a backup quarterback ready to play kind of, you know, it's going to be a different looking system when Jacoby's in there than when Deshaun is in there. Deshaun's a guy who's going to make plays with his legs. You, he's going to get the, he's going to push the ball down the field a lot. He's going to be aggressive. Uh, you know, with Jacoby, I think it's going to be more of a system where obviously we're going to rely on this great running game. We're going to rely on our offensive line. We're going to ask him to make some throws off a of play action. We'll take a shot or two here or there. But for the most part, it's probably going to be a ball controlled offense as far as a pass, uh, passing attack goes. Um, you know, so he's going to really have to, you know, from week to week, you know, depending on when Deshaun is going to be in there, uh, you know, adjust these game plans and get guys ready to go. So it's, it's going to be very, very difficult for him, uh, you know, and also managing the locker room. Like you said, there's going to be some guys that are upset that Baker's gone. You know, not everyone in the locker room wanted Baker to be out of there. You know, a lot of, a lot of guys believed in Baker and they wanted him in the locker room. Um, you know, some guys didn't. So it's just it's just a mixed bag right now that he's going to have to manage. And it's uh, it's going to be an ongoing thing for the for the entire season, I believe. You know, Tim, <clears throat> the reason I love having former players on is because y'all can educate the audience, give them something that they don't really know. There's a lot of misconception out there <laughs> about the way offenses run. People like right. I've literally had people come up to me and say, you know, your playbook is trash. <laughs> and I'm like, well, technically, you know, you put in key concepts and then week to week, you put in brand new plays that you run based on what the other team is doing, right? What you see on film. 
Right. Can you kind of kind of give you know the fans a little insight into, you know, we've we've been critical of Kevin Stefanski, but you know there is no master playbook that you memorize and then you just don't put anything new in or put wrinkles in. Kind of tell them the way the progression works in terms of starting the season, starting with one playbook and, and some concepts, and then what do you do from week to week in order to to round out your plays. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think, you know, when you first get to training camp, OTAs, mini camps, all that kind of thing, you do put in, you know, your base plays. This is our system. This is how we're going. This is our terminology. This is our blocking schemes. This is our base, you know, packages, our play action, our, our route concepts we're going to run out of, you know, certain formations, three by one, two by two, whatever it is, empty sets, you know, those kind of things are, are standard. You know, you're going to run those week in and week out with the formations of personnel groupings, all that kind of stuff. But you know, from every week does change once the season starts based on the team you're going to face. You know, you've got a team that's, you know, going to be aggressive. They're going to blitz a lot. They're going to play a lot of man coverage. Well, you're going to you're going to add some new wrinkles to that, especially down in the red zone. You're going to try and get some crossing routes some picks some wheel routes, all those kind of things. The, the, the playbook is always changing throughout the year. You know, you like I said, you're, you're going to run your basic stuff. That's always going to be there with the addition of some new stuff based off what you're going to see that week, what you're anticipating. Uh, so, so guys have to be flexible with that. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you know, guys are used to it, you know, it, it, no matter what system you're in, it's going to change a little bit week to week. We're going to add a few things. We're going to take some stuff out. What we did last week may not be good this week. So, um, you know, and, and guys watch film, you know, they're, they're going to say, well, this has been their tendencies over the last three games when they get in this set. Um, they like to do this play action. They like to take a shot. They like to do this. So you have to do those tendency breakers as well, uh, you know, because when they see something on film that you do consistently, they're going to jump all over it. So you have to be those, have to have those wrinkles in there where you're doing something different as well. So it's, it's always changing and, uh, and ongoing throughout the year. Man, that's a ton of stuff. Great insight. Hey, hey Tim, Jason referenced the fact that you know, the Browns really have to get two quarterbacks ready, and they're both new. So if you were Kevin Stefanski, and the offensive coaching staff and training it's day one of training camp and there's still no resolution on Deshaun Watson's suspension how would you do it I mean because you know Deshaun's going to be your guy long term but we he might miss four games he might miss zero eight might miss the whole season without knowing the resolution if you were the coach how would you split up the time between Watson and Brissett? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And, you know, the biggest the biggest hurdle there is, you know, Deshaun hasn't played football in a year, you know, so mm. you, you want to get him those reps as well and kind of get him up to speed. He needs to learn this offense because he's going to be your guy going forward, obviously. But at the same time, you got to anticipate he's not going to be there for, you know, X amount of games, whatever that's going to be. So you got to get Jacoby ready, too. So it's it's a very, very difficult thing. I wouldn't want you to deal with what Stefanski's got to deal with this year with this team, with all the movement parts. Um, you know, but if I had to make that decision, if it were me, I'm trying to get the guy ready who's going to be under center week one, and I assume that's going to be Jacoby Brissett. So I'm going to lean more towards getting him, you know, ready to go and ready and up to speed in the system and and getting as many reps as, as I can possibly get him because, you know, you, you got to get him ready to go. And he, he's, if he's going to be the guy taking the snaps and he has to be um, – yes, you have to think of him as your starter. He has to feel like he's a starter and, uh, and, and go ahead and go ahead and prepare him that, uh, that that's going to be the situation. So, Tim, let, let me ask you a question. I'll get, I'm going to get out of the weeds here. You're talking about when Baker's making the, the swap to Carolina in the first game of the season is obviously going to be a, a good matchup between the Carolina and the Browns. So, you know, yeah. you've ever been on a team where you got a, players that you play with that don't like you. And so, 
Uh, I think there's a number of people on the Browns defensive side who will be looking to tee this thing up against Carolina. Talk about that when you have some animosity in the locker room sometime and the guy lining up from you or whether it be basketball football, like I've been waiting on you. you you're the guy. Oh, yeah. You're the guy. Absolutely. I've been waiting on you. You, you know that? Yeah, I know what you're saying. You know, that stuff goes on. You know, even in training camp, you know, you get to talking back and forth with the defensive backs and, you know, some of the guys on defense. And, you know, you just get sick and tired of facing your own team in training camp. So there's a lot of smack talking going on. And, you know, those defensive guys are just, you know, they, they're just wishing you didn't have that, you know, that orange jersey, or that red jersey on where they, they're not allowed to hit you. They want to tee off on you sometimes because of all the trash talking back and forth. Now they're going to get their chance. And, you know, if, you know, we all know Baker likes to talk a little bit in the media. So I would imagine, you know, going into that game week one, there's going to be some, some things said uh, from both sides. I think Baker will probably say some things that, uh, that's going to fire up the Browns defense. And, you know, I know the last thing I would be doing if I were him was trying to, you know, piss off Miles Garrett. I'm, I'm not saying a word that week. I, I'm going to be complimentary. I'm not saying anything to get that guy motivated, man. So, but, but it's going to be exciting. I can't wait for week one. Uh, it couldn't have played out any better for a fan, you know, yeah. just, uh, you know, as far as the drama goes, just wanting to watch a, you know, a game like that it has so much on both sides, uh, you know, especially in week one, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Tim, speaking of Miles Garrett, we know, like yourself, Miles Garrett loves basketball as well as football. Mm -hmm. He showed up at Cavs uh, uh, Summer League and he was warming up with the yeah. guys there. He played in the NBA Celebrity All-Star Game. What do you make of, I mean, obviously he's, you know, one of the most amazing athletes we have ever seen in professional sports. What do you think of his basketball game? And do like could, yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, but do you think he could have possibly been a pro basketball player? It's hard to argue that he couldn't. You know, he's yeah. such a phenomenal athlete. You know, if he was training his body to be a basketball player instead of a you know a defensive, a two hundred eighty pound defensive end, you know, I think the skill sets are there. He's got a nice jump shot uh, for a big guy. He's obviously explosive off the floor. Um, you know, he, he's got all the skill sets you would want. You know, I wouldn't want anything to do with that guy down low trying to trying to stop him. He's going to yeah. be able to move you out of the way uh, pretty much wherever he wants with his size and strength. But, um, you know, they, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put anything past Miles mm. Garrett athletically. I mean, that guy is just a freak of nature. If he wanted to be an NBA player, then I'm not going to tell him he's not going to be an NBA player. That's Tim, for sure. I, Tim, I can tell you this for a fact, and you, as a former uh, basketball player, you know this. There are more people yeah. that play – football that can convert to basketball than it is basketball players oh, that can convert to yeah. football. Yeah, and I can just sure. and I'm not just talking wreck guys. I mean, these are yeah. guys that can play Miles, the things that you saw with Miles Garrett right there. That's unbelievable, right? That's unbelievable yeah. for a defensive man to be able to do that. Yeah, and then you throw in people like Chris Carter that we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. there are a number of players T.O. that can do T.O. that can yeah. just get out and get it done, right? So Baker Mayfield talk about <laughs> yeah, talk about Tim this. How hard is it to do both things? Because when I look at Miles Garrett there, is he doing the Dion double play here? Right? Is he is he doing can I do me a little football? Do me a little basketball. Yeah. Right? When is the next double play being gonna be taken up by somebody in this country? Man, I don't know if it's gonna happen anymore. You know, I don't know if these coaches are gonna, you know, what these guys are making now. You know, I don't know if they're gonna pay Miles Garrett, whatever they're paying him, and let him go play basketball as well. You know, just just the risk of injury. You know, blowing an ACL, rolling an ankle, whatever, whatever. You know, playing basketball. That's the last thing you want with uh, you know a guy like that. You want him available to you every Sunday. But man, it sure is fun to watch his clips when he puts them on Instagram or whatever. It's just it doesn't look possible for somebody that big to jump that high. It's almost like a Zion Williamson type of yeah. thing. You know, Zion right. looks like a big defensive end too out there. So it's, it's just, um, you know, you just, you know, you're seeing a freak of nature when you see a guy with that much power and speed and size that's able to get off the ground like that. It's, it's, it's unbelievable.
You think the fans can freak out when they see him doing it in the warm up line with the Cavs? Oh, I, I bet they can't stand it. You know they cringe every time he posts those videos. Definitely scared. He's jumping up there doing 360s and doing all that stuff. You know, I'm sure they can't stand it. But, you know, Miles loves it. It's what he does in the offseason. So, what are you going to do? Tim, great stuff as always. We appreciate you taking the time. We'll talk to you next week.